Hey man, what's up? <sighs> I hate it when you interrupt me. Uh, hey man, <laughs> I didn't. Inter- I let you finish your sentence. <laughs> what's up? Uh, have you ever heard of P.T. Barnum? P.T. Barnum. Yeah. Is it P.T.? No, P. T. Physical therapy Barnum. Bar- <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you? What's his, what's he known for? He's what's known he do? for Barnuminiums, <laughs> which are <laughs> which are homes yeah. that are made out of barns. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty popular HGTV thing. They like cut it into three condos inside a barn. No, three condos is that that lady on Netflix <laughs> who does the. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> that was pretty funny. We can roll that the intro after that. That's a good. That's, that's a, a good spot. So we gotta wait for like a good joke to roll the. In, and that was a good. You know what? Just roll it. Yeah, PT Barnum's the circus guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a circus guy, but not just a circus guy. That's why I uh, felt weird. You <laughs> sack of crap. <laughs> You're not going to support that old man. Take a cinder block and go set it out. <laughs> Let it sit there for a little while. We agree. I was just saying that for political points. Things I learned last night. Okay, so PT Barnum. Yeah. Uh, you know who that is, though? I do know who it okay, is. Okay, I figured you did. Yeah. Um, do you, you know, know before I was a comedian, I wanted to be a circus clown. <laughs> did you really? Did you go to school as a ministry? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> came for your. Okay. It's a clown nose. That's a clown nose. Oh, no, sure. Clowns have nose. Is that where they are? Sure. <laughs> I knew exactly what you're talking about. Is that what? Is that where the clown nose is yeah. on the clown telling the joke? Show me <laughs> on this clown <laughs> where its nose is. But you're saying that as the clown. Yeah, well, sometimes it's like an interactive bit where they bring the person up on stage, they, they stick the nose in their face. Your nose. Yeah, it's the altar okay. call. Everybody, it's like it's like when you go to Taylor Near, Swift. Okay. When you see Taylor Swift, that everybody gets the wristbands that light up. When you go see a clown, everybody gets a loud nose. <laughs> that they have to yeah, wear. when you go to see Taylor Swift and everyone honks her nose at the end of the show, <laughs> it's very not sanitary. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jesus wants your honk <laughs> is a quote that will live on the discord forever. I think unfortunately <laughs> yeah, PT Barnum's the circus guy. Yeah, he's a circus guy, but not just a circus guy. Uh, <laughs> Put that in the intro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, we're off to a good start. All right, here's a here's the PT Barnum. Here's what he looks like. Oh, um, which if you saw this man walking if down the street, saw, if you saw the Greatest Showman, yeah, um, Hugh Jackman should not have been cast to play this guy. <laughs> this guy looks like the Phantom of the Opera without the mask on. You know what I'm saying? Like this yeah, guy, yeah. John C. Riley would have been a great pick. That's actually to play PT Barnum. Very accurate. Very very accurate. It's it's interesting because. I don't know if it's this era of humanity or mm-hmm. if it's uh, if it's this guy specifically, but he looks like 
Like the last thing I would expect is that he travels around with a giant tent and a bunch of elephants and people who dance real good. <laughs> that's the, last that, thing that's the job description. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, pull up a picture of James Buchanan because maybe I'm just getting maybe maybe my brain's not working correct though. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't I don't remember off the top of my head what Buchanan looks like, but this picture feels pretty Buchanan. Does it look similar at all, or am I? It's pretty insane? similar. It's Is it similar. okay? Okay, okay. If okay, he okay, combs okay. his hair, there's a lot of pictures with James Buchanan who, after he should have quit like, taking pictures. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's dude, there's so many pictures of this guy after no. he should have stopped. There's a lot of them where his hair's like this, and it's like he was outside in the wind, and then he went and took a photograph. That's and what I, I think. That's what I was saying. Even like, hey, he looked very disheveled in yeah. his like presidential portraits. Yeah, I think. So here's one where he combed his hair. This is Buchanan with combed hair. Okay, I wasn't crazy. That was and that this was is pretty P. T. Barnum. Pretty it's similar. The, is it the same time era? Uh, when was know, James Buchanan? Buchanan was. I don't know why, but like they both could pl- be played by John C. Riley is maybe why I'm thinking that Buchanan died in 1868 was president 1857 to 1861. So yeah, same time frame. Hey, maybe that's what it was then. That was the style. <clears throat> They're going to think that whenever they see like these guys with the shaved like my barber does the shaved thing in the yeah. head right there. They're going to see you like that guy looks like Donald Trump. Pull up a picture. <laughs> That's the meanest thing you ever said to me. I don't like that at all. There haven't been a lot of. I, I can't think of a single president who's had cool hair. <laughs> what? I name up JFK. Yeah, I guess his hair is pretty cool. <laughs> No, I'm trying to. Um, uh, did Clinton had good hair when he was in office, right? Obama started with good hair. Do you see how fast he grayed while he was in office? Yeah, but honestly, oh, well, I I will say Obama had Obama has gray hair and even gray gray he gray made him look dignified. I think some people gray makes him look. Rough. Obama looks better old than he did when he was younger. Yeah, I think some people gray makes you look better. Some people gray makes you look worse. I think Obama looked better looks better with gray. Yeah, I mean. Gosh, yeah, I guess. Should we dye our hair gray? Should we just do do powerful men have bad haircuts? Should we just it does stop seem like trying? It. Have you seen all of the Oakland Raiders staff? Yeah, the Oakland Raiders owner. Well, he's not the owner, owner anymore. Yeah, he's not. Their owner, their I don't know, I think he's still there. Is their he still owner, the owner? He coach, just moved it. Their owner, their coach, and uh, who was it? There was someone on their team. They've all got the same barber, and that and barber is themselves. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they were horrible haircuts. Uh, Look up yeah. their haircuts. Their barber's blind. Okay, we've got so much. P.T. Barnum, not barber. Okay, uh, we got a lot to oh, cover sorry. here. He has a long life. Okay, um, he was born in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Oh, um, and uh, uh, his dad was an innkeeper and a tailor and a storekeeper, and you know, like one of those guys who was like did uh, a bunch of an entrepreneur, stuff. but like oh. not successful. You know. Like a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, like sure. but like like he would have had a YouTube channel talking about how to be successful. I do worry that like when I'm old, I'll have you know, what if comedy dies in the next couple of years and then it'll be like, yeah, yeah, he was a comedian in his like 20s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then he worked at a used car lot for his 30s. It's like it's like have you heard that? I don't know why you would hear this. I'd be surprised if you have actually can you stop because we have a lot to get to <laughs> PT Barnum. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. 
Okay. Um, have I heard if, what? If it's fine. You don't want to hear it. Okay. Um, no, I haven't <laughs> heard it. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a song from. Um, hold on. Let me. I have to. Ah, oh, gosh, dang! I'm not logged into Spotify. I can't remember who sings it. So just forget about this. Okay. <laughs> so he. It, it, but here's the thing: his grandfather was uh, a, a T.P. Barnum. <laughs> the Papa. <laughs> TP stands for the Papa. Yeah. What does PT stand for then? Pretty Tot. <laughs> what? Pretty Tom. I think we'll call him Pretty Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty boy. <laughs> okay. So PT stands for Phineas Taylor. Cool. Um, That's Phineas is a name that should make a comeback. His grandfather, also Phineas Taylor. Actually, okay. Though. Sure. Um, his grandfather, his grandfather had like a lot, of, a really, really strong influence on him. Um, his grandfather uh, did a couple of things that were like noble, but he also was a lottery schemer. Um, and what does that mean? It means he like schemed the lottery. What does that mean? <laughs> a lottery schemer? Uh, okay, what is that? He schemed the lottery. Okay, how? But he had a, the lottery. a scheme <laughs> to play the lottery. I don't know exactly how he was scheming the lottery, but he I'm was winning assuming, a lot. I'm assuming it was something like those. We we covered a couple lottery winners on our show. That yeah, they did, kind of figured that had different things. Sure. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's something like that. Um, and he had a lot of influence. On young PT Barnum, okay. And so when PT was uh, taught him the ways of scamming, yeah, I guess. Um, when PT was a teenager, sixteen, uh, he uh, his father died, and he had to become the breadwinner for the family. So he started working at a grocery store. And while he was working at this grocery store, he realized I'm seeing a lot of people every day because they're here buying their groceries. Mm-hmm. And so he says, "I know what I'll do. I'll start my own lottery." Uh, <laughs> And so, <laughs> can okay. So he can you do that? Uh, I mean, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> it's a free country. I don't know if it's like, and I hope it stays that way. I don't know. If and it's, you know what? Who else <laughs> believes that? All of our new fans. <laughs> I mean, this is like eighteen. 18- <laughs> 25 or something like that. 18. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Back and so then. back then, like it's like, yeah, maybe you weren't supposed to do it, but like you no one's going to go get a license to start a lottery, you know, especially in Bridgeport, Connecticut, a lottery license. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, one, no one's thinking that so especially how, now 16. How does boy. a how does he so here's what he does lottery. He he <laughs> he sells lottery tickets. Okay, um, and he's holding ju- like uh, uh, drawings for him weekly and he tells he guarantees a prize for everyone. Um, for everyone who enters the lottery. And so he said, I basically he was like, he's like the grand prize winner. I'll give them um, like a fraction of my earnings from that lottery. Okay. Same way most lotteries work. Um, but then he was like, but uh, everybody else, the grocery store I work at has a bunch of empty bottles and they told me I could have them. And so he <laughs> gives empty bottles to anyone else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no reason. And everyone was like, Thanks. <laughs> I won. <clears throat> it's a major award. It's good. It's, it's still <laughs> hanging on someone's mantle. That's my great granddad's bottle. Bottle. He won it in PT. He won Barnum's that from lottery. Pretty Tom. <laughs> Pretty boy Tom <laughs> gave that to him. 
in a lottery. Um, so we're winners. Our family, we changed our last name to winner after that. Um, okay. <laughs> Turns out our daughter was like some kind of spy or something like that. <laughs> really rough. Um, so he did this for a few years and did you get that joke? No, I didn't think so. All right. Are you going to explain it? You just no. gonna, okay, cool. Uh, so he, he just, uh, uh, he saved up money from this lottery and then moved to New York and bought himself his own grocery store. Um, so was able to successfully run this lottery for a few years. Wow. And, and, and we should be clear. This is the 1820s. So you could buy grocery stores for like 40 bucks back then. Like it wasn't <laughs> the same. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the same thing, but it's still impressive. Um, and so is managing his grocery store and you know, it, it's he's he's having like a like a career, I, I guess out of this, but he's not enjoying it. He's in 1835 rolls around. He's 25 years old. He's been doing it for a few years running the grocery store and he's he's successful, but not like success. Yeah, you know, and like, like he's like he's like I want something more, but he's like, but I there's one big problem with getting more and that's work and he hates working and he's like, yeah. I don't want to have to work. He's like, I'd rather be able to be in a spot where I don't work and I'm super rich and so he starts <laughs> he starts looking for the next big thing is big opportunity. <laughs> uh, I've got some great products available that I think you'd like um, <laughs> uh, creams and assorted and so things. this is this is the 1830s. Sure. Uh, so he learns about an acquaintance, like a childhood friend he has who lives in Philadelphia. Um, and this is the 1830s. And so his friend uh, had a slave. Uh, her name was Joyce Heath. And his friend claimed that she was the nurse, like uh, uh, the nurse of George Washington when George Washington was an infant. Um, okay. Which I saw the look on your face. The numbers don't add up. She would yeah. be 161 years old. Yeah. If that was true. Uh, <laughs> but PT Barnum was like, you know what? The lottery was pretty easy. And he's like, I think I could pull this off. And so he goes out to Philadelphia and technically pull what off. <laughs> what do you mean? Good, I pull this off? Like, that's a good question. So he goes out to Philadelphia. Is he thinking like I'm going to sell tickets and, to see this lady? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and so he he he, what? he goes out to Philadelphia and slavery a meet was and greet with George Washington's like childhood nurse. Nurse, yeah, yeah. Um, Shoot, dude. I hope I'm never that famous. <laughs> that someone will be like, this was like Jaren's babysitter when he was like three. <laughs> That'd be twenty dollars a meter. Hey, you want a meter? But like. I don't know. I get it's the 1830s. What else are you going to do? It's weird though. It feels weird. I I can speak from experience. (laughs) (laughs) I've said a lot of weird things. What experience can you speak from? No, when we toured Alcatraz at the end of Alcatraz, the last surviving inmate. Oh, is was there? just at the end of the the tour, and like he's like the door greeter. Well, no, he was sitting at a table in the gift shop, and, and he's like, like he's like they still won't let me leave. <laughs> and it's like my sentence ended thirty years ago, and they're still happy here. He's like they won't let me get out of here. Yeah. Would you get a picture? No. <laughs> I told him to quit taking pictures of me long ago. <laughs> I don't let pictures of me happen anymore, <laughs> <laughs> and I shouldn't. Nobody was, should after a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> it was he was there. I think 
on his own volition. Uh, he wrote a book <laughs> about his experience. He was doing book signings um, in the gift shop, but it it felt weird, and everybody else there felt weird about it too. Because you, did like, you buy his book? No, that's why it uh, felt weird. You <laughs> sack of crap. You're not going to support that old man. <laughs> But his he, wife was ruined by the archaic prison system that existed <laughs> but he, in San Francisco. Some people were going and they were taking pictures with him. I'm glad you had a good vacation, but everybody else walked by and was like, oh, that's uncomfortable just for a like, refund afterward. Yeah, yeah we did. You're like, hey, it was really weird that I had to meet that guy. Can I get a refund? Also, he was really drunk. <laughs> he and he was, was doing magic tricks. He didn't do the magic tricks very well. I hated it. Like, so do you know what this? This is a prison. I'm sure that guy was cool in 2006, <laughs> but his time is done. Best show in San Francisco. I don't know, man. Uh, so he uh, he he had 500 bucks to his name, so okay. he took out a loan for $500 to make it a thousand, uh, and then made an offer to lease uh, Joyce from her owner, which was weird because that was technically still illegal. Like even at this time, slavery was illegal in the north because he was they were in northern states. And so that shouldn't have been legal to happen, but he exploited was some it illegal loophole. in the north. Yes. Yeah, it was illegal because he was north. technically leasing her. Yeah, so it wasn't technically he wasn't slavery. owning. Yeah, okay. Um, and so he took her on tour um, so people could meet uh, uh, George Washington's this nurse lady and made, and but that's what I'm saying. Like, what are, you, are they putting up? Like, if it's just at high V, and they're like, this guy nursed or this guy, <laughs> maybe progressive. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, this gal nursed uh, Ronald Reagan when he was a baby. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and she's at high V this weekend. <laughs> and yeah. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah they. Uh, that's exactly what happened. He's doing a meet much. and greet. Yeah, he really and, was. Yeah, it was like it was like twenty cents to meet her. And was she old? Yeah, she was old. She was so she was about eighty something okay. at the time of this. Not one hundred sixty one. Um, right, which but, is what uh, she would have needed to be. <laughs> but they, the one thing I respect about PT Barnum, there's a lot that you probably shouldn't respect about him until he gets old. When he got old, then there's some things you can't respect about him because okay. he learned some stuff. Um, but at this point in his life, there's not a lot you can respect about him. Um, but one thing you can is he always made uh, posters for his events mm-hmm. that were, I think, ahead of its time. Okay, um, this was his poster for this um, little oh. baby George Washington <laughs> with full. So just so everyone knows, it's you know obviously the older woman holding. A not baby. It is <laughs> a just, just a small, small George, Washington. George Washington. Pretty funny. With <laughs> a sign that says aged 161 years. <laughs> yeah, George Washington isn't even around anymore at the time of this. Yeah. And they're saying. But it's like, I mean, look, though, that's, is, I mean, that's honestly, that is ahead of its time because that's like full grown George Washington just shrunk down and put it in her lap. <laughs> yeah, that's some Photoshop it's right pretty there. Pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Um, and so they took her around to on tour and they said she was 161. Yeah, they said so she was he 161 knew it was a lie. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, his friend told him she's 161 years old. Yeah, but that's like whatever. But he and yeah, he's he like, oh, okay, that sure, 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 sure. Um, and so they took her on tour and this was a time, huge hit at that time. What people's believe stuff, man. It's true. It no is, one had true. invented lying yet. And so people were like, this is this is just true. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Um, 
And so he made a killing off of this. There's no way to prove anything yet. Every town he would go into 20 cents to see her. People were like, oh, I want to see George Washington's nurse. And so people were coming from all over the place to to see this um, and experience it. Uh, but it only lasted a year because she passed away a year after 162 um, <laughs> uh, and he he had developed a little bit of a um, a taste a reputation oh. uh, because some people were like there's no way there's no way that's actually yeah, but George then that, Washington's that nurse. ends up helping him. Yeah, and because, from a marketing standpoint, that's what you want. Yeah, and because of that he uh, he capitalized on that as well. And so after she died, he hosted a live autopsy to prove her age. Um, and so at a saloon in New York City, which is saloon of all places like With that, the doors and everything. Yeah, that sounds like that cannot be up to health code, <laughs> but they hosted a live autopsy. He sold seats and people came and they watched it and they verified she was 82 years old at the time after her death. And everyone was like, ah, wasn't real, but it was cool while it lasted, I guess. How were they age verifying at that point? I don't know. I think teeth. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's teeth has numbers on them. Like oh my there's gosh. A, the back of your teeth has a number for your age. Yeah. Can you feel that? Mm. Yeah. It changes every year. <laughs> on your birthday, it's Mine crazy. says 31. <laughs> but I'm. You don't know how. 29. Oh, you need to call your mom. I need to call my mom <laughs> right now. Call my mom. Mom, you call her. I need to come about my kids so, right now. I'm so frazzled. <laughs> I'm two years older than I thought I was. <laughs> this changes so much. This changes everything I know about myself. Oh man. <laughs> hmm. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode. If you like this and you want more of our show, we've got plenty of other episodes. One of my favorites is Action Park, a super sketchy theme park that was basically overrun by teenagers and they just made the rules. Uh, It was in New Jersey. It was a wild story, uh, but we did a whole episode about it and I think you'd like it. So uh, when you're done with this one, go check out that episode. But for now, back to this one. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, we're about halfway through quarter one, which means pretty much all of us have given up on our New Year's resolutions already. (laughs) And look, I get it. It becomes really easy this time of year to start skipping out on the things that you committed to. But I have a secret for you. Therapy can help you find your strengths so you can ditch extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I know my therapist helps me find all the areas where not only I need to work, but areas where I'm doing a good job and can uh, continue to excel in those areas. And it's super helpful. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist or switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash Tillin today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Tillin, T-I-L-L-N. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Miracle Made. Hey, it's that time of year again, which means every night you wake up in the middle of the night freezing cold, and so you get a bunch of blankets, and then you wake up a couple hours later, and you're burning up. So you take all the blankets off and repeat the cycle all night long. Well, I got good news for you. Miracle Made has the solution. Miracle Made has silver-infused fabrics that are inspired by NASA that makes the sheets thermoregulated, and they're designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So if you need to be cooler, it helps keep you cooler. If you need to be warmer, it helps keep you warmer. And it's that same silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, which means these sheets stay 
cleaner and fresher three times longer than traditional bed sheets. So no more gross odors. Go to trymiracle.com slash Tillin to try Miracle Made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our code Tillin, that's T-I-L-L-N at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20% off. Miracle is so confident in their product that is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Tillin and use the code Tillin to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Tillin to treat yourself. Thanks again to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. So they they were like, yeah, she was 82. Yeah, she was 82. Um, and so he was like, wow, this. He's like, oh, <laughs> I, I too got bamboozled. I, I was tricked by that guy in Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> that you all know is real. <laughs> that you all is none of the. So, so yeah, so she, she passes away and he was like, man, that worked out great. And there was a lot of money in taking Even just around. the speculation. Yeah. And so. He started looking for other people that were unique that he could exploit. Oh, I thought you were just other old people. <laughs> He's looking for I the old. Just need another old person to take somewhere. Um, and so he he started finding. You never run out of them. Your typical like carnival side like sideshow stuff. Like yeah. so, like people with extra limbs or bearded ladies, and but none of this stuff was as much of a hit as. George Washington's nurse, <laughs> and so like he kind of he kind of struck it big on his first one, um, okay. and then everything after that was like just kind of they're like the yeah red. we've seen the bearded lady before yeah and so but he he spent a few years saving up his money uh, and he bought Scudder's American Museum in 1841 okay which was like uh like a Ripley's Believe It or Not museum like a wax place or what no more like a Ripley's Believe It or Not because they just would have like weird exhibits of like. Here's an example. Um, one of the things that they had in there from the very beginning uh, was uh, what's known as, I think, yeah, the Fiji mermaid, which this is allegedly allegedly proof of mermaids that exist. They found this okay. in Fiji, um, and it was uh, this. Uh, so, <laughs> um, ah, I don't like it. If you're listening, it's it was a it's half fish, and then a, not even want to call it a person. At the top, but kind of. Yeah. So this is a recreation of it. We don't have the original, but it was. Yeah, because it what wasn't real. He did was he took a skeleton of a monkey and cut it off at the torso and then glued it to it. I was the remains say that's definitely of like a, a trout <laughs> and like glued it to the back of the monkey and then was like, look, it's a mermaid. It's a real mermaid. Uh, and people were like, oh my gosh, they found a mermaid in Fiji. Uh, and that's what it would look like. <laughs> is. I mean, all these fairy tales of <laughs> of sailors falling in love with that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's worth it if you're an audio listener to just. It's terrifying. Google it. It is terrifying. So he has stuff like this, like crazy. But oddities. he made it. Yeah, yeah, he's making crazy oddities and saying. All this He's is, like, look, I found a mermaid. I found a mermaid. Yeah, and so he redesigns this museum. Oh and wow! It's uh, Barnum's American Museum. It's it's big. Um, what is that? Four to five stories. Yeah, um, and had just all these exhibits of interesting things all throughout. Um, 
and it was literally that. It was like you walk in, you look at something that was kind of interesting, or a person who was who had an extra limb or a bearded lady, stuff like that. That you He's see like, at a carnival. This is the the last surviving person from Alcatraz. <laughs> it's a baby that he's holding. And everyone's like, "What's Alcatraz?" Well, you'll probably die, but he'll find out. <sighs> he'll find out when you're older. He'll I'll, tell find you, I'll tell you when you're older. When he's older. <laughs> um, and th- this this museum, he was he was tricky with this stuff, and so he was <laughs> sure. Up, it was like it was like it was like a quarter. For you mean there's not a real mermaid? So well, no, 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 no. Even better. So it was like twenty five cents. I should say even better, even worse. Uh, so it was like twenty five cents to enter, right? And then you okay. can tour around and see the whole thing. But at the end of every. Uh, not every exhibit, but at the end of some of the major exhibits, he would put up all these signs that say this way to egress. But at the what time, is and I guess apparently still now, people didn't know what egress means, which is it just exit? meant exit. And so people would be like, oh, I want to go see the egress. And then they'd go out and then they'd be outside and there's no re-entry. So they had to get another ticket to go in. And oh. so he was just tricking people to buy a second ticket. Dang it. Oh, I burned <laughs> it down. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't fly now. This is who PT Burnham was. I'd burn it to the <laughs> ground, dude. Um, but again, still great posters. Uh, <laughs> Dang. Hey, there's a side to the egress. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, ha ha ha, we got him. Uh, okay, so, okay, sure. So just a bunch of interesting stuff. Someone with a lot of tattoos, a hippopotamus, uh, Siamese Ch- chicken. Ch- chicken. Chicken. Um, yeah, uh, bearded lady. There's a brick. Is that oh. a bearded lady? The the white. Yeah, I think that's a bearded lady. Pale think, ghost looking thing. I think, and then just an average baby. Um, no, he has a huge baby. That's um, the whole point. That baby. That, is, that baby's not average. That that's is actual a, size. That's a large baby. Uh, and then what? There's a brick in this because here's what he did. He would do this every day. He would get into. Uh, he would walk into the museum. He take in. one brick from the building. He goes, "This can't last forever, guys," and like he would just, you know, he's like, "We're here until the building falls down." Just <laughs> a different brick from a different area. He's like, "Eventually, it'll fall." <laughs> well, what he would do is he would take these bricks, man, um, and he would uh, <laughs> he would walk in and he would grab a brick and he would walk back out with the brick and like just set it on the street and then turn around, walk back in and then walk back out and grab the brick and walk back inside and people on their like morning commutes would walk by and they'd be like, what are you doing with these bricks, man? And he'd be like, why don't you come inside and see? And it meant nothing. <laughs> it was just something just odd enough where people would be like, what are you doing? Gotta go try to check that out one, one of these days and it I'm going to do that when we open our mobile bar. <laughs> what are you doing? Just like just, go take a center block and go set it out. <laughs> Let it sit there for a little while. <laughs> come back out, pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are you doing? Have you ever heard of Oregon? <laughs> They're just doing weird things. Why don't um, you come check it out? And so, like his, it slowly grows in popularity. What are you doing? Starts- I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> just giggle. Honk <laughs> bricks. <laughs> and so, uh, but nothing was like hugely successful yet. Like he was, he was doing well. He was doing well, okay, but it still wasn't like a, I don't have to work anymore. Well, you know sure. that he was shooting for, and then he met Tom Thumb, uh, uh, <laughs> whose name wasn't Tom Thumb. That was the name he changed okay. for him too. His name was Wait, Charles P. T. Barnum changed it. Yeah, <laughs> his name was Charles Stratton. And he's like, I'm gonna call you. 
Uh, Tom <laughs> Thumb. <laughs> Is there a reason? Yeah. Mm, <laughs> I think you know. Uh, his name was Char- Charles Stratton. Uh, and he was his parents were actually friends of P.T. Barnum. Okay, and, and his like, parents were like, "Hey, our kid's weird." <laughs> kind of. <laughs> they were like, "We don't think he's ever going to be able to make a living on his own." Why? Uh, well, he was a dwarf. Okay. Um, and at that day and age, I mean, that's a pretty logical conclusion that he's never going to be able to make much money on his own. Sure. And so, at four years old, uh, uh, P.T. Barnum says, "Okay, I'll, I'll pay him. him, or I guess I'll pay you as the parents." $70 a week. I'll lease your c- child. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much $70 a week to be in my museum. That's big money. Yeah, good money. Uh, and so they were like, deal. They're like yeah, yeah, they were yeah, like, yeah, done yeah, deal. Yeah. And so he legally changed his age to 11 years old um, and legally changed his name to Tom Thumb because uh, for some, I think he thought that would sell better, which I think it does. I think it is better than Charles Stratton. Okay. Uh, and then calls him a general and says, come see General Tom Thumb. Um, at 11 years old at 11 years old, but he's four years old, but he says he's 11 years old. Is there a picture of Tom Thumb? Yeah, here's a picture of PT Barnum and Tom Thumb standing together. Um, they end up becoming best friends. They're lifelong friends after this. That makes sense, uh, but like, uh, <laughs> but like why 11? If you're going to change the age, just shoot big, you know, go for 160, you know? Yeah, I don't know why the age 11 was chosen. I think maybe it's because he was still like, he still kind of behaved like a child. So they were like, well, we got to, we can't act like he's an adult. Um, but he's a general. <laughs> That's also you true. You know what I'm saying? That's also true. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, general Tom. Yeah, I don't know. He's 11. <laughs> he's an 11 year old. Come meet the 11 year old general. Um, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. It's like okay, I think maybe that's the idea. Is meet the 11 year old general, um, and they ta- that's what was interesting about him. <laughs> sure, and they taught him to say like general stuff, and so he would walk in a room and he'd be like, "Hello, troops." <laughs> I don't know whatever generals do. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then they taught him to sing, and that crushed. And so like it was like it was like it had developed an audience. That's before. what they're like. Oh my gosh, he's a he's a war general. <laughs> And then he goes, uh, <laughs> and they're like, he's a singing original. Take two quarters. How many quarters do you want? Take me to the egress so I can give you more. Uh, yeah, and that's, he goes, follow me. <laughs> he's got to be running around. He's a child. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so Tom Thumb makes him a fortune. People, the word spreads of the singing eleven-year-old general, um, and people start traveling to New York just to see Tom Thumb. Okay, and so uh, they become lifelong best friends. They become lifelong best friends. Wow, um, him and Tom Thumb, and uh, he he takes Tom Thumb on tour a couple times, but more than anything, Tom Thumb is performing at the American Museum for life and making pretty good money doing it. Yeah, um, did PT have a? Like a belief against looking at the camera. Uh, no, I think he did it here. Oh, okay. Well, that's why he, he also did, did it. That's here. why he didn't do it. <laughs> he looks creepy, man. Yeah. Yeah. After that last picture, everyone was like, "Hey, he was like, oh, I got to divert my eyes. I got to bounce yeah. my eyes." Yeah. So, uh, I love, I love Tom Thumb. Um, 
And so Tom Thumb makes him a fortune and it really puts the museum on the map. Sure. The museum was open for decades after He doesn't this. have to do the brick thing anymore. He He's got enough. He's got yeah, enough people, people are coming on their own. Um, and it, it gets to the point where the museum is now uh, uh, bringing in 400,000 visitors per year. Uh, uh, by 1846, uh, it gets to the point where the museum earns him $80 million. Um, it, it translated to today's money, I should say. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say, translated So uh, he makes a ton of cash off this museum, um, and Tom Tom really kind of put him on the map and made this happen. Okay. And so he goes on a little bit of a spinning spree, finding more oddities and kind of compiling stuff to have in, in his museum, and then says, I'm going to open up a new house for me. <laughs> A new house for me. I'm going to open up a new house for me. You mean you're just going to build yourself a home? It's like a business plan. It's like a business. It's like a house for me. I'd like a a house for me, and then I like that same house built smaller for Tom Thumb. We we'll give it to him for his 18th birthday. We'll put it in the garage. His 18th no birthday. His 18th birthday is next year. Well, well, we could change that. Not really. It's <laughs> yeah, got, he got more time. He's got yeah, at least not on those seven years. It's a lot like Tim's anniversary <laughs> in that in that on paper. There's two of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's okay. The government doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so he builds this new house and his he wants this house to be a thing though where it's he has his home, but he also hosts major events here. And so okay. he puts in a theater and he builds like a big ballroom because he's like, I want the best music artists in the world to come do their their performances their here in my home music here. Yeah, and so he opens up a home and he names it Iranistan and this is it. Uh, Holy cow uh, builds this in Connecticut. Um, in 1948 is when he built it. No, 1848. Sorry, 1848. That's what I meant. Um, Otherwise, he'd be 161 <laughs> years old. It's a. If you're listening, it's a giant house, and it's it's in your classic like India like temple style. So they've got like yeah. the big dome, like bulbous rooftops with the spires. Three stories. Um, yeah, it, depending on who you are, if you if Huge you believe mansion. in Tartaria, you would think this was here seven hundred years ago. This is still ago. standing, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, I guess you'll uh, tell us why. So, uh, yeah, giant. Is home. this is this out back also his? Yeah, you see those, yeah, that? the whole property is his. There's lots of sub buildings. Small buildings. And, yeah, yeah, that's Tom Thumb's house out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and a fountain out front. Yeah, so I mean, just an absolutely obnoxiously gigantic mansion, even for today's standards. If you saw this in 1848, it will blow your mind at how big this guy's house is. If you saw this in 2023, it will blow your mind at how big this guy's yeah, house yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's huge. It's a palace by every like, yes, measure. So a couple of years after he builds this house, uh, he finds out about a Swedish uh, singer named Jenny Lind. Uh, who was huge in Europe, um, and he thought he could uh, benefit off of her success, and so Kay. he calls up her crew and is like, "Hey, why don't you guys come on over to the states? 
I'll tour manage for you guys and we'll, we'll let you build an audience out here. Um, and so would, a, would an audience translate if you came over from Europe? Like would people show up? Uh, typically no, but PT Barnum, P, one of the things that PT Barnum got really, really good at marketing. publicity and marketing. Yeah. yeah. He got really good at marketing stuff. And so he was confident he could build an audience for her before she even got to the States. Okay. And so he went to her and he offered a 150 night tour to pay her a thousand dollars a night. Um, Jeez. in that day's money. So translated today is $40,000 a night uh, for a 150 night tour. Jeez. Um, so she was like, Hey, that sounds great. Can you pay me up front? Uh, and he was like, no, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I think we can do that. And so he went and he took out a loan against his museum. He took out a loan against his house and he's still stupid and he took He put his entire savings. This is so dumb and he was still came up $6,000 short of what he offered her and so he went and he was asking around for money. He found um, no, that's so dumb. <laughs> Uh, and so he found a uh, a. a well, you just like a musician enough that you're like, we're gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna force it to happen. <laughs> he found a pastor in Philadelphia to give him six grand, and he I needed six grand, and so he told this pastor. Even in back then, pastors were were rolling in it. Huh? <laughs> he found a pastor in Philadelphia, and he said, "Hey, Jenny Lind. One of the things she was famous for in Europe was her morality and her uh, uh, philanthropy." And so he said, I think if we have a star in the United States that's famous for the things she's famous for, we could really see a change in the morality of our nation okay. and convince this pastor. And so the pastor put up $6,000 towards it um, and was able to pay her up front. And she put the majority of it straight into her charities uh, and then sailed to the US and he started marketing it. And he really played up the morality, played up the philanthropy stuff in the marketing. Okay. And when she arrived, she had no audience in the States before this deal started. When she arrived at port, there was 40,000 people waiting for her to sail in. Um, and they so it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and so she goes to stay at the hotel that night. There's 20,000 people at the hotel and they sold out of her merchandise. Uh, which is interesting to me. I'm curious what her merchandise was. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't have t-shirts. <laughs> like, just there's no way they had t-shirts. Like, oh I wanna... yeah, no, I had a blouse, a little fluffy blouse, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, at a fluffy blouse, they sewed some Jenny suspenders that say Jenny Lynn's holds my pants up. I don't know what her deal is. She's so more moral that she. <laughs> it says morals. The mortals tour. The mortals tour. <laughs> morals tour. The morals. Tour. Morals tour. Uh, <laughs> And so uh, that that night, PT was like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna work." And then she accidentally cusses in front of somebody, <laughs> and they're like, oh, "She's not who they said they were." What a hypocrite! And then all of the all of the fans' daughters they started putting black eyeliner on their eyes and going to her shows, and were like, "I love Jenny." <laughs> and they're like, "This is the reverse of what we wanted." <laughs> Jenny's ruining our nation. No, uh, so she plays at the Castle Garden Theater in New York. The first, the like, oh, I guess is her second night in the states, but her first night of the tour sells it out. Five thousand seat theater, um, huge theater uh, for the day, um, sells it out. And this single event, uh, because PT Barnum generated the PT Barnum decided instead of selling tickets, he was going to auction them because it was so it was already so popular. This oh, single event paid off his investment. Tour. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and then they went and did, uh, well, uh, not 150 nights. They did 93. Halfway through the tour, she dies. <laughs> 
Halfway through the tour, she starts realizing BT Barnum's making an insane amount of money off of this tour, and she feels dirty about the fact that she's that he's marketing it off of her morality and her philanthropy. And so he says, if you're going to make this much money off of stuff, he said, you have to give it away. I have to make more off of this is what she said. And so they negotiate a new deal where he would make a $5,500 management fee for each night of the event, and she would make the rest of the profits. And so so she starts making a kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so by the end and of then this he tour, was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> this sucks. So after 93 nights, uh, the deal kind of fell apart and they parted ways because she was frustrated with the way he was marketing it. So they didn't do the full 150 nights. But for 93, she walked away having earned about $350,000 um, in 1840 cash, Holy uh, which is equivalent. I've got a calculator up right now. 1.2 or 12 million. Uh, it's equivalent to yeah, thirteen point six million today. Yeah, um, and then he netted uh, estimates range around five hundred thousand um, dollars, which was net. And so which is like I don't 20 know million. Yeah, I don't know how much he actually took home off of that because um, he's had but still expenses. you take home half. Yeah, and so the gamble worked <laughs> uh, really well for him. Uh, and so he started saying, Jeez. Uh, hey, there might be something to this tour stuff. Um, and so he starts looking at winter into- jam. <laughs> <laughs> team part of started winter. Jam. Yeah, get that rumor going. He said, What if we had a morality? What if we concert had tour and it was, you know, $10 entry, no tickets, <laughs> but they they like uh, auctioned all the tickets. For free, free auction, free auction, free auction. Um, so he gets into this this concept of touring, and so he starts sending his acts. It's from the pretty museum. crazy how Winter Jam did that. It's ten dollar cash at the door. They don't have to pay any processing fees on on cards or anything like that. And there's no ticket sales, so there's no other hands in the pot. It's interesting when you learn how things work. When you know how business goes, and you go, oh, and you're like, yeah, and then they market it a certain way, and you're like, oh, that's great. Oh, I see what you did here. Yeah, PT Barnum. But anyways, you got to get on Winter Jam. I put me on there. <laughs> I love it. I think you guys are geniuses I'm so for good. what you're doing. <laughs> I'm so moral. Yeah, he's also 31 years old. I'm 31. <laughs> 31. The legal age to be on Winter Jam. Winter Jam. <laughs> enjoying it and you're enjoying Tillin, you've been around for a little bit. I want to invite you to be a part of our Patreon. Uh, we have uh, a Patreon that has uh, early access to all of our episodes, ad-free content, both audio and video. Uh, we have a Discord with our hosts and producers. That's a ton of fun getting to hang out with all of our patrons in there. Uh, we also do uh, once a month now, we do these live streams with our patrons. Uh, we hang out, we get to know each other, we eat pizza. It's a blast uh, along with a bunch of other benefits like uh, a merch discounts uh, message on your birthday like fun stuff. Uh, it's definitely worth it. We're having a blast with our patrons, um, but if that doesn't sound like something for you, uh, then get the heck out of here. Just kidding. No, we love you. Uh, uh, thanks for checking out Dylan podcast. How do they how do they get it though? I realized I forgot to put a CTA in mind. Oh, dang. you were doing it. Yeah, they can text Dylan to six six eight six six. Thanks, Jared. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
Man, today I'm having one of those days where I'm just about at the end of the day and I'm thinking, man, I wish I had more time. Have you ever had a day like that where you're like, oh, there's not enough hours in the day? But that got me thinking, what would I do if I had more hours in the day? And the reality is most of us would probably fill it up with the same stuff and at the end say, man, I wish I had more hours in the day. The reality is, if you're not making time for the things that you want to make time for, there's other stuff that's going to squeeze its way in, and you're going to find yourself wishing you were spending time on other stuff anyways. That's where therapy can be helpful. Uh, Having someone you can talk to to say, hey, what are my priorities in my life, and how do I make those priorities in my life, and someone who can hold you accountable to keeping those priorities priorities. I know my counselor and I have been on a journey for a few years now, and it's been so helpful to have someone to talk and sort through life with. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. I say this a lot, but I cannot recommend therapy enough. If you're thinking of starting therapy, maybe give BetterHelp a try. It's 100% online. It's designed from the top to bottom to be convenient. Uh, And you can fit literally any schedule. Speaking of schedules, BetterHelp fits literally any schedule. So it's super valuable for people like me (laughs) who have a hard time fitting things into their schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Tillin today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Tillin, T-I-L-L-N. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. So he starts setting his acts on tour. P.T. Barnum is sending his acts on tour, making a killing. His museum's still open, making a killing off the museum. Um, and he's starts- sending them out individually on tour. Yeah, and he's bringing. Okay. He's bring, He's starting to work. So like with Tom musicians. Thumb's going out on the yeah, road. Tom Thumb's on the road doing events. Wow, um, singing or whatever. And he's working with a lot of musicians now. Jenny got him into the music world. How are they so transporting? He's like a music How are they producer around? Trains. Oh wow. Um, and okay. so. They, uh, he's, he's a huge success, right? Uh, well, in the 18, the early 1860s, uh, his museum catches fire. Oh, uh, and the newspaper puts out this article um, <laughs> of his museum burning, uh, which is, and there's like a head and oh, it's a mannequin. Yeah, there's, I think that's Abe Lincoln's mannequin um, losing a head. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a terrifying image. Uh, this is an interesting time in journalism when the cartoonists that would have typically just done. Yeah, there was no pictures for the front. They had them do everything Um, and they let them do it however they wanted. (laughs) Hey, why don't you draw what happened? Draw a picture of the fire at the circus. Okay. Uh, And they were just like cool and they would just yeah, make it insane. Um, But yeah, so they know what started the fire. No, Um, but there was there was a a major fire and it damaged it pretty bad. Uh, He was able to get an insurance payout, but it didn't even come close to covering the damages, Um, but he was able to reopen partially um, and didn't didn't open the whole museum back up, but reopened partially a few years later. A lot more egress signs, a lot more egress signs, Uh, (laughs) um, but uh, a few years later it caught fire again and this time he couldn't recover. Yeah, and so it was a complete loss um, and he shut it shut it down for good. Um, Ironically, a couple years later, his house also burnt down. What? Um, So I don't know if this guy was literally playing with fire or if there wasn't insurance at the time. Well, there was insurance, but yeah, it wasn't like the sort of thing where it was like 
He's not collecting insurance. Yeah, he's money. not. He's not getting. Yeah, I mean, he could have been insurance frauding, honestly, but he wasn't making enough money off of it. He was making more money off his of the palace than burned his insurance. down. Yeah, his palace burned down. That's why we don't have any pictures. That's of it. a bummer. Yeah, because that would have cool been palace. wild to like still exist. Yeah, I also think there's there's a possibility. Um, so he, at this point in his life, he got into politics, and he was he was in the republic, the new Republican Party. It was a yeah. brand new thing, um, and it was very different than it is today. Um, it was actually like the inverse back then, right? right, right. Um, and so he was he was very progressive. Um, had a had a pretty uh, instrumental part in the Thirteenth Amendment. Um, which is crazy because because his exploited. career started from that. Yeah, and so what what he said in his he gave a speech and in, in his speech he said that he was once um, a what was the word he used uh, basically like hard headed Democrat um, who was a northerner who thought exploiting people was okay and he said over my career he said I've uh, been privileged to work with people from all over the world um, from multiple different backgrounds basically and realized that these people are all the same like there's yeah. no reason we should Jenny really did change him. Yeah, and so he, he his life like exposing himself to other people changed his life and so then he uh, was instrumental in making the 13th or passing through the 13th amendment, but he said in his speeches yeah. that he was like he he thought he should be punished for the things that he had done in the past. Oh, um, it really, really looked like a changed man after that. Honestly, um, someone was like, "We agree." I was just saying that for political points. <laughs> I don't think we should actually. I don't do think that's. That. Yeah, don't punish me. Don't punish please me. Don't punish, please don't punish me. Please don't. Uh, I've been punished enough. My business burned down. My home burned down. <laughs> and my business burned down again. Uh, and so he he was also instrumental in uh, passing legislation that made gaslighting. A common thing in cities, so street yeah. lights were existed. people all the all the time, man. <laughs> in the city, before nothing like that. I think but we now, should gaslight more now people. They're like, they're like, there was no Barnum's Museum, and they're like, well, yes, there was. No, you're no, making that up. You're, no, you're crazy. Making it up. You're making it up. You're crazy. And he was like, I did that. He was like, yeah, that was me. That was my work. I brought more gaslighting um, here. But I do think it's possible that because he was such a proponent of gaslighting. That that's what burnt his everything down. Um, oh, because that was that makes highly sense. flammable. Um, but, but like running gas lines as infrastructure kind of stuff. Yeah, and then lighting the city that way. Yeah, um, and so th- he was in f- point of all this is to say he was influential in uh, politics as a politician. Uh, and then at the age of sixty three, uh, he was like, you know what I haven't done yet. <laughs> okay. He's like, I haven't done a circus yet. He said, I've done all this stuff, and everybody in the future knows me for the circus, but I haven't done the circus yet. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> He's time traveling. I gotta this get point. that in. And so uh, he establishes P.T. Barnum's Grand Traveling Museum, Menagerie, Caravan, and Hippodrome. Wasn't great at naming stuff. Great at advertising. Yeah. Not great at naming. I, I think that was normal back then. Long the name. names were long. Yeah. Um, and so he started except this for his name. Phineas Taylor too long <laughs> PT <laughs> uh, and so he started running that uh, in 1870 uh, ran for 11 years um, very successful circus in the States one of okay. one of if not the most successful circus in the United States. Meanwhile across the pond in Europe uh, there's a guy by the name of James Bailey who's running a very successful circus in okay. uh, uh, I don't know the UK. Uh, <laughs> In uh, 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 Britija. 
routine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he learns about it from Tom Thumb. Uh, important sidebar. Uh, Tom Thumb went over there. Yeah, important sidebar. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. Sure, yeah, you are. Um, so in the '60s, during his political career, um, he ended up getting into some pretty hot legal waters. Um, and so some of the stuff that he did made some enemies, um, as happens a lot with politicians. Right. Uh, and uh, he uh, <laughs> he got a little a little too passionate, I think, about these enemies. Um, and so he started. Uh, coming after them a little bit too hard. And so he got sued for libel multiple times Oh, um, and uh, nearly bankrupt, got bankrupt from the litigations that he found himself in um, because his museum wasn't open anymore. He lost his house. So a lot of a lot of his assets were literally burnt up. Right. Um, and then uh, and then he was kind of um, uh, being a little too risky with the slander. He was throwing at some people sure. um, and and it cost him. Uh, and so he almost lost everything, but his old friend Tom Thumb at this time had gone off on his own and was touring in Europe and was like, why don't you come on tour with me in Europe? Uh, you can open for me. <laughs> and he did. Do a tight five at the top, yeah. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. Uh, P.T. Barnum, this whole, his whole career was never a performer. He was always the guy running the show, you know, but not the performer. And so opening was like, what's P.T. Barnum going to open for? So he opened uh, as a speaker uh, speaking against alcohol. And so, uh, <laughs> thank you for coming tonight. I'd like to start this joyous evening of fun and drinking um, <laughs> with a talk about how neither of those things are good for you. <laughs> you should not drink. Were they serving <laughs> drinks at like theaters and stuff then? I would uh, imagine. I would assume. Yeah. And so he goes, oh, he, goes, he goes, pour that out. Pour, pour that out. Dump your drink. Dump your drink. Dump um, that drink or dump your soul. Yeah. He was what was the known as yours. He was, he was what was known as a temperance speaker. And so the idea was alcohol is bad for you. You shouldn't drink it. You should abstain. He was running a dare program across the UK. <laughs> Basically opening for Tom Thumb. <laughs> everybody's everybody's coming out to see Tom Thumb perform the, the 11 year old general. He's still 11. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So it's a big bait and switch. <laughs> yeah, and then he comes out and he's like, he's like, are you drinking tonight? <laughs> Who's drinking tonight? Hey! Well, cut it out. You're all gonna die. <laughs> As you can see in this presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like not a good public speaker. He's really bad. Um, at it. He's like reading postcards. Uh, tonight I'm gonna give you. Um, sorry, hold on. So I'm gonna give you three reasons that. Um, Drinking is uh, wrong, not wrong, no, but not, like not just wrong, but like not good. <sighs> Cue photos. <laughs> Can you put the pictures up on the screen, please? Yeah, <laughs> not the one where I'm looking at <laughs> no, the camera. Don't put the camera one. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, you might not know me. My name is P.T. <laughs> Barnum. I'm gonna. Uh, before we get into it, I gotta show you a picture of me and my family. This is me, and this is my son. Um, <laughs> hey guys, thanks for being here. We just want to say thank you for being here. Uh, there's a card on the seat on in, the front seat of back you. in front of and you. You just fill that out. Let us know you were here. Yeah, if you just fill that out with your credit card information, you can drop in the bucket when it comes by, and we'll just take whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Legally, I'm supposed to say it that. Remember way. that. If you want to reach the summit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he he goes and does this tour. I knew that would makes, get you back on track. <laughs> I knew that would get you back on track. Money, makes a good amount of money off of this tour and is able yeah. to reboot his career sure. and gets into the circus. Does a circus for eleven years and then Tom Thumb, who's still on tour in Europe, is like, "Hey, 
There's this guy, James Bailey, super successful out here. Looks like he's planning on coming to the States. You should get ahead of that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so he calls. So that's why he started doing the circus stuff. Well, no, he had been doing the circus for 11 years at this point. Oh, okay. so he calls up James Bailey and he's is like, like don't come to my territory. He's like, you're my number one competitor. He's like, you're the target to my Walmart. You're the Pepsi to my Coca-Cola. He Barnum said, and Bailey. Yeah, he's like, what if we oh. join sides? He said, he said, what if we, what if we be Pepsi Cola? He's like, that doesn't flow right. What about Walgate? What if we <laughs> merge? What if, what if, what if you come over here and I buy your circus and we call it X? <laughs> I think it'll sell really well. I think people will like it a lot. I don't know, man. I'm just kind of thinking through some stuff. Picture this New York City, a giant light up X on top of a building facing the windows of your enemies. Will people think it's a weird thing? <laughs> ah, yes. you're thinking too far yes. ahead, buddy, but if we just make it with gas, I like to think in the moment. <laughs> And then let my users tell me my mistakes. Don't plan. (laughs) And so uh, James Bailey and him, they partner up. Uh, Bailey comes over to the States and brings his his elephant named Jumbo uh, and they buy a train that they had for a long time been like chartering train trips. Yeah, but you can't get charter a train. Yeah, you can't show up with like check bag and elephant like <laughs> the ticket person's gonna be like uh, no, you can't, can't bring that on that. our train um, and yeah, so they bought a train. They're the first circus to ever own their own train. Um, wow, and they were rolling the towns with a full train mm-hmm. and so in 1882 they went on their first tour. How, does somebody go ahead of them? I guess to tell people the circus is coming. I think they would mail flyers or something. I don't know. I mean, he was great at advertising. However, he did it. People would know it was coming. That's what I'm saying. Like, how yeah. do they do that? Um, they huh. were the first three ring circus, um, which I think most likely came out of a debate because what they have you ever been to a three ring circus? You know what uh-huh. that means? Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I knew what that means. Like I went to circuses as a kid, like there's a center ring where all the cool stuff happens. Yeah, and then there's another one where like kind of stuff happens and then there's another one where other but they they can because so it's constant entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So they're all going at once, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I think that most likely came out of a debate where it was like these two circuses came together and they were like, "Well, I want to perform now," uh, and they're like, "What if we all do it at the same time?" Everyone wins. Yeah, I think that's what happened. But anyways, their first three ring circus um, they launched in 1882 and it ran until 2017. What? <laughs> yeah, it's the longest. Running any form of entertainment, uh, ran until it ran until twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Is that the one that came to the Shrine Mosque, Barnum and Bailey's? I don't know if it was that or if it was the Ringling Bros. Ringling Bros. in like the post war era blew up and they gave okay. them for their money. And now I think Ringling Bros. Ringley Bro. Ringley Bros. Ringling Bros. There's one in Joplin. I think it's bigger. Now there's a there's a company in Joplin that does circuses. That does circuses. Uh huh. Yeah, so I drive by their field all the time uh, and like their elephants are just out there. (laughs) I'm not joking (laughs) like they're they're on the side of the interstate and they got their big semis and they're still doing it even though people it's like it to me like how much longer do you think circuses could exist and also SeaWorld? How long do you think SeaWorld could exist because I think like millennials aren't going to SeaWorld. Yeah, SeaWorld's close. SeaWorld's got to be close. It's so close to dying, right? Be close. Very close. I mean, I went a couple weeks ago just just to keep them alive. I don't think I've been to a circus since I was like six. Um, I haven't been to a circus in 
I mean, even before then, when I was a kid, I knew it was wrong. I was like, this is bad. Really? No, we went. <laughs> I think I think I went until I was like in I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it grade. depends on the circus. Like, if a circus is like doing like elephants and like animal stuff, like I think they're they're on the target list. But I think if a circus is doing like just acrobatics, yeah, because those animals I think those are could last. suffering, dude. Yeah, I think I think the acrobatic stuff could last. But I will say, like, like if I'm on the highway and I see circus tents, like, there's a part of me that's like. I should go to that real quick. I should go see real quick. And, and let me tell you. Let me tell you. If I if I'm on the highway and I see a circus tent on in the parking lot at Independence Center, yeah. And as I'm driving by, I see a guy walk out with a brick. I'm good. And he sets the brick down. I go, what's he doing oh, with that brick? With that brick. <laughs> I gotta find out. I have to find out. I have to figure out how to make money off this. You brick. know what he's doing? <laughs> he's opening a story loop. <laughs> Insane for real though. Like that's definitely what he was doing. Like is this question of just like what's up with the brick? And then you go through the whole museum and well, you, you get through part of it. And you end up outside. <laughs> yeah, you end up you outside. You got to pay. You're like, I still know what's wrong with the brick. The brick. You go through the whole thing. At and the then very you end, he's, he's there in the gift shop. <laughs> you know, I got to be in my book. <laughs> and you're like, no, I just want to know what you did to the brick. Book. Book. No. <laughs> God, what did you? What's the brick about? Is it about my life? <laughs> like, no. no. The brick. The brick. <laughs> oh yeah, brick. And then he stands up and sings the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, you don't even sing that part. I You're pledge really allegiance to, to the flag <laughs> of the United States of America. Is he singing and the Pledge of Allegiance? To right now? The I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Which it stands. Take your hat off. Take your One hat off. nation indivisible. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? You got what I did there, right? Because that wasn't in the yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's the time, right time era. You guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the, the the circus is what he's known for, but he didn't Barnum start doing it until he was in his sixties. Wow. Um, I mean, he made a lot of money yeah, doing a lot yeah, of yeah, other yeah, stuff yeah, throughout yeah, his yeah. career. Like he, the circus was a huge success because he was a huge success doing everything else before, and he knew how the entertainment business worked. Um, and so uh, I'm going to change my marketing to be Jenny <laughs> Lynn's marketing, which is just like, come see Jaron. He's a really good guy. <laughs> Before uh, Barnum and Bailey's started, yeah. while he was getting his circus business off the ground, he got into being an author. And so he wrote a book called The Life of P.T. Barnum. Um, we just did this bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> he literally, oh, he okay. literally did that. He okay. literally wrote. Uh, yeah, um, but he did it under a fake name, so it would be like a biography. <laughs> no, it was called by it was Life of BT Barnum by himself. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but he, he, everybody thought he meant it was written by him, but he was like he was by himself no, the whole time. He was by alone. himself, um, and that's the real story. <laughs> uh, he a few ten years later, he wrote a book called The Humbugs of the World, um, uh, which was him. Uh, just slandering mediums because uh, <laughs> he had a real problem with them and he actually in the book he offered he was going to pay $5,000 to any medium who could prove they could actually talk to the dead. Um, oh. so maybe 5,000. That was how the book ended. I sounded like one of his friends died. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm sick of these people I'm sick of these mediums. Yeah, and so then these mediums, there's a group of mediums that actually they read that book. They read the offer. They found out there was $5,000 up for grabs if they could prove that they could talk to the dead. So they got together and one of them told one of the mediums a secret and the other medium was in the other room and they, and they killed, killed him. him 
and then <laughs> they did the seance thing and they proved it. And so he had to pay them $5,000. That's a made up story. Um, yeah, obviously <laughs> he didn't know the secret. <laughs> he would have had to tell someone a secret and then kill them. <laughs> And that, yeah. So, anyways, so they took went, a few <laughs> times to figure it out. They killed a lot of people before they like. Oh, shoot, he has shoot, to tell them the secret. We can't figure this I'll out. I'll go tell them the secret. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the secret is the brick was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing to do There's with the brick. No point it to was the brick. Just a brick. <laughs> it's all a lie. She's a dumb brick. Um, she was eighty-two. <laughs> <laughs> and he was four. <laughs> what are you saying right now? <laughs> well, I don't know. Your friend's gonna tell me in a second. <laughs> stab, stab, stab. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably gonna get marked by the by the YouTube stab, stab, stab. standards. We're gonna get it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. The transcript says stab, stab, stab. Actually, three different times because I said it. You repeated it, and now I have said it again. <laughs> they said you can say stab ten times. <laughs> Don't say it again. Don't say it again, if Tim. Stay, if you stay poke <laughs> eleven times. Don't say that. Get, what's a better word? What's another? What's a synonym of of what, Tim? <laughs> That's what I thought. This conversation's <laughs> over. <laughs> you say your tooth. Real hard. Did you hear how loud that I was? Acknowledge it. I was just waiting for it. I was just gonna let it let take it see. out and post. It says twenty nine. <laughs> You're good. So then, uh, he he writes a here. Let him take like your tooth out post. <laughs> Dude, you should lose a tooth for the bit. Anybody got a hammer? Oh, uh, so he he writes oh. a couple dozen books. Most of them oh, about like couple dozen. Yeah, most of them about Jeez. how much he hates mediums or about politics or he business. Just, you know, and that's what would happen if we didn't have social media. All these people who leave like seven paragraph comments <laughs> would think they're authors. <laughs> but then in 1880, right before the Barnum and Bailey Circus thing happened. He wrote what is probably my favorite book ever. I haven't read it. I just by the title. Judging the book by its cover, this is my favorite book ever written. Um, this is P.T. Barnum's The Art of Money Getting. Oh, uh, <laughs> which is so great to I me. I kind of want to read it. I want to read it really bad. Um, I don't think this was the original cover. This was not. This is definitely <laughs> what's available on Amazon now. <laughs> because and I and I think that just because this font is very clearly. This was made in in PowerPoint. This cover, yeah. Um, but man, I want to read this book, "The Art of Money Getting," um, all about how he got his money. Um, he is widely attributed um, with uh, for being the person who coined the phrase "There's a sucker born every minute." Um, oh, I don't. Most people think that he didn't say that, and I'm. I think the reason for that is because I don't think the slang term "sucker" lasted that long. Right, right, right. Um, but. Um, <clears throat> he uh, was pretty vocal towards the end of his life uh, about the fact that he said that uh, uh, he would say people. Uh, it's not that people uh, have a problem with being lied to; they actually crave it. They crave being lied to, and so he would create these ridiculous things so people could be lied to because they liked they liked it. They liked being lied to the about this Fiji mermaid. They liked Why? being lied to about 
George Washington's nurse or a I don't think it's that. I think they, just, they liked believing things. They liked weird stuff. <laughs> and so yeah, he believed he believed that people were entertained by being lied to and they liked it and he was he built a career off of doing that for people. He's like, "No, I was doing it for your good." So he really was <laughs> gaslighting at the end, wasn't he? <laughs> hey, you lied to us. Yeah, and you liked it. <laughs> like, geez, dude, what? No, 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 no. You craved it. You actually, I remember you wrote me a letter one time when you were a small boy. Like, I was Santa Claus or something. You said, Hello, Mr. Pretty Tom Barnum. Will you please lie to me? You don't remember <laughs> please that? Please lie to me. <laughs> and he's like, Wait, you're doing it right now. You're lying aren't you? to me now. Yeah, because that's what you wanted me to do. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, in, in in 1891, his health started to really decline, and he knew it. And so he asked the newspaper <laughs> to write his eulogy so he could it. read it before he died. He's like, he's like, I think I'm going to die. So will you write that. my eulogy? Let me read me? it before he <laughs> put it out. <laughs> I want to read it first. Um, and uh, at the age of 80, he ends up dying of a stroke. Um, his last words um, were him asking his assistant to get him the receipts from last night's circus because he wanted to see how much they spent. Um, and then he died of a stroke. Give me the receipts. <laughs> never, never, never stopped working until the last minute. Um, the reason we know about the reason we have circuses, probably honestly, um, and a major part of of uh, the 13th Amendment, even though he was kind of a problematic person the majority of his life. Why are you talking like that? Okay. This is what happens at the end of the, the, yeah, radio the, end of the tour. episode. You start going. This is what happens at the end of the radio tour when you, you walk around the museum with your earbuds in and the person narrates everything for you. Um, at the very end of it, they get really close to the mic to finish the story. Oh, okay. While you read the plaques and try to listen at the same time. Yeah, and you're like, this, pretty is, rough. this is very difficult. Sure. Why did you give me the ears and the why did you give me ears and eyes at the same time? <laughs> like sure. I can't balance both I'd of these. I'd rather be blindfolded going through this museum. <laughs> America's first blindfolded museum. <laughs> we should start that. Yeah. 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 So PT Barnum, a uh, legendary entertainer, uh wow. great author. Um Prolific, Say great author, <laughs> prolific yeah. gaslighter, um, and uh, I do influential believe in person. You believe in mediums? Yeah, because I, so I did the thing one time. I was like, you know what? You did the I'm mediums. I'm gonna prove it. No, I'm, yeah, well, I kind of. I was like, I'm gonna prove it. So I did yeah. the whole whisper of a secret thing. Whisper the medium. Yeah, that we killed, and I was like, <laughs> why are you laughing? What'd you say? Why are you laughing? That person's not here anymore. <laughs> And so I whispered. Yeah, but they whispered a joke to me just now. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he, oh the they talked to you. They whispered the secret, and the secret you said was a funny joke. No, and what so was the secret I whispered? Fiddle off. Things Alone Last Night is a production of Space Tim Media. Produced by Christian Taylor. Audio is edited by Alex Garnett. Video by Connor Betts. Social media is run by Caleb Walker and graphic design by Caleb Goldberg. Our hosts are Jaron Myers and Tim Stone. Please follow us on social media at Tillin Podcast. That's T-I-L-L-N Podcast. Leave a review, comment, subscribe wherever you are. Thank you for listening to Things Alone Last Night. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, we're about halfway through quarter one, which means pretty much all of us have given up on our New Year's resolutions already. <laughs> and look, I get it. It becomes really easy this time of year to start skipping out on the things that you committed to. 
But I have a secret for you. Therapy can help you find your strengths so you can ditch extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I know my therapist helps me find all the areas where not only I need to work, but areas where I'm doing a good job and can uh, continue to excel in those areas. And it's super helpful. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist or switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash Tillin today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Tillin, T-I-L-L-N. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode.